We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! What up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast. It's called Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends in the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this list, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The first two episodes are live right now, so go check that out or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. What's up, guys? This is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm here as always with Jason. We're Blue Wire podcast. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, Jason, this week in the Chicago Bulls, we heard Jim Boylan say he was in, quote, educator, not a legislator, and also say that Jerry Reinsdorf told him that he wasn't the head coach, but instead he was the CEO of the Chicago Bulls. And in case you're wondering, no, Jim Boylan hasn't been fired. And yes, we're still proceeding as if this is totally normal. Uh, Just... A very strange situation between Boylan and the Bulls keeps getting weirder for every day. He continues to be the head coach. Jason, I already went on my rant about this. I think that was two weeks ago at this point. And this situation only gets more confusing, more confounding. The Bulls seemingly wiping away all the goodwill that they built this offseason by redoing the front office. It, It doesn't really look like that front office has all that much power or all that much flexibility to use one of the Bulls' favorite words if Jim Boylan is still employed as the head coach. Yeah, absolutely bizarre stuff. And we, we've been planning this week about uh, doing just like an, like an ask, ask us anything type deal. Of course, when we asked our Twitter users to ask us questions, a lot of it was about Jim Boylan and all this, this goofy stuff that you talked about. We had some people ask us, like, like do you think like Jim Boylan's actually going to stay around now? And then somebody else, obviously jokingly, uh, this was Josh Poole. Like, why is Jim Boylan been fired yet? Second question: When will Jim Boylan be fired? And it's like we don't know it because it's just it's just absolutely so bizarre this whole thing. Um, and another guy question, kind of asking about our about this new front office. Uh, this was from it was 
Dan Meehan asked about, like, do you think, like, Karnasovas was told he was given a basketball autonomy, but now he's being hamstrung into keeping Jim Boylan due to his relationship. And it's, it, it is definitely weird. Darnell Mayberry wrote a great column about this whole thing. Darnell also was talking about how he was having dreams about Jim Boylan. Uh, he tweeted that today. It's just, it's just like, look what the Bulls are doing to Darnell Mayberry, a great athletic beat writer who was with this Jim Boylan stuff. But yeah, Darnell wrote a great, just kind of whole outlining the whole situation uh, with Jim Boylan. Um, and just like, like why it was basically, it was like, why is Jim Boylan still here? And like, obviously most of it was about, it was just a like question. You brought up that CEO stuff. Uh, and there was, I, I tweeted just kind of the main excerpt on my, on my Twitter. Uh, it, it included the CEO stuff. And then here's, here's a ne- another paragraph. Uh, oh, well, there's also stuff about Michael Ryan sort of like loving Jim Boylan. And then here was the other paragraph. It's like their continued confidence in Jim Boylan comes off as tone deaf, correct? Internally, the Bulls believe Boylan is in fact a competent head coach and re- they remain curious about what he might be capable of when everything is stripped away so that he may focus solely on coaching. As his tenure wore on last season, Boylan wielded more and more authority, focusing his, his attention on relatively trivial matters, ranging from how the media relations have operated to, to game night meetings with season's ticket holders shortly before tip-off. Boylan reveled in being the leading figure of the Bulls and having his fingerprints on so many aspects of the organization. So this was something that we kind of heard about, uh, I think reported by like KC, and we had briefly talked about this kind of stuff, just like Jim Boylan having... Like all this, like doing other stuff besides like just being a head coach and doing all this other crap. And Darnell touched on it here, and we read more just about how like Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf loves Jim Boylan, uh, and and, and you do, it just goes to like why, like why is like this is this organization uh, like love Jim Boylan so much? I know we've talked about like I mean he's obviously like a great kiss ass and. And he's already in the quote he gave recently, I think it was in like Michigan, like clearly he's talking about his great relationship with the new front office. And I mean, has obviously great at kissing ass of his bosses. And I think that's clear with John Paxson. I'm sure it's clear with the ownership, but it's just like, like, why are you dying on this hill of Jim Boylan? Like, why are you giving him so much power when he hasn't been able to prove that he could be co- a good coach either? Like, I would understand if he had some like great track record of being a coach and it's like, all right, you're like a winner. You win games that you can do all this other stuff now, but no, it's like, they, they had him all this, doing this all this other stuff now. And I know, like, the reporting now has been, like, well, Karnaschovitz, they're telling him to, like, focus solely on coaching. But, like, the, the terminology has been out there that's still, like, well, they've been empowered Boylan and, like, they're, like, doing film stuff. And he's, like, giving his input on, like, off-season strategy. And it's just – and it just – why? Like, why is this happening? A gigantic waste of everyone's time. And for the Bulls, I mean, it just shows that while the battle cry for the fans was fire guard packs – all of the Bulls' problems have always started with ownership, and I think we saw that as people started to take a closer look at the end of the dynasty years. Uh, that documentary, which had a ton of flaws, but it still you know, ends with MJ saying, well, it eats away at me that I never got a chance for a seventh ring, and you know, the person who didn't allow that to happen was Jerry Reinsdorf, and I think the Reinsdorf family has always been the biggest problem with the Bulls. Now, all of this, Jim Boylan handling like media relations has any other head coach in the NBA done that. I've literally never heard of that before. And that's happening because the Reinsdorf's most likely are so cheap that they don't invest in a big enough staff just around the team, you know, to cover all, all the needs of the organization, whether that's scouting, which is an area where they've always been short staffed or internal development, uh, player development, where they've always been short staffed. 
I'm sure it, you know, goes all the way to media relations and throughout the organization because the Reinsdorfs, while they are so loyal, they're mostly loyal to people who will do the work of two people or who will, who will perform uh, a job above their pay grade, right? Like if you're cheap, the Reinsdorfs will love you. They'll be loyal to you forever. So this is totally insane. Like the beat writers getting this, I'm sure, is coming from Michael Reinsdorf. Michael Reinsdorf's basically saying, well, Jim had so much on his plate last year. He had to work with media relations. He had to, you know, deal with players' agents. He had to meet and greet fans. Well, none of of that should have been his responsibility in the first place. And so they're using that as an excuse to fight back against the fact that Jim Boylan objectively is a fucking awful NBA head coach (laughs) who has won 31% of his games across two years. Now, you guys set your expectations at media day, at the very start of the season, you said you wanted to compete for the playoffs. Instead, you couldn't even come within six fucking games of the eighth seed in the Eastern fucking conference. Just an abject failure of a season all around. That's why you hired Karnaschovas. That's why you hired Eversley. That's why you fired Gar Foreman. But yet, here's ownership saying, actually, Boylan didn't get a fair shake because he had to take on all these other responsibilities. Well, the fact that Boylan had to take on those responsibilities in the first place is completely and totally insane. And it only happened because the Reinsdorfs didn't invest in the rest of the franchise. And, you know, Boylan being the ultimate kiss ass and the ultimate company man that he is, is again, like taking what's probably the smallest salary for any head coach in the NBA. And now he's doing like the media relations job and, uh, you know, the fan outreach job in addition to being the head coach. So no wonder the Ryan Storff's fucking love him because they can save money by not hiring people throughout the organization so that shitty Jim Boylan can go out there, shake a few hands and kiss a few babies. It's a slap in the fucking face to Bulls fans and really to the NBA in general. This should be one of your premier franchises. And instead, Ownership is deciding to die on the hill for none other than Jim Boylan, who is so obviously the single most incompetent head coach in the NBA. I think that Boylan is probably a nice guy. I think that, you know, he's definitely given me and you a lot of fodder to talk about on the podcast over the last two seasons. But Jesus Christ, Bulls, you redid the front office. All we ever heard about about it during that process was, you know, they're going to have full autonomy, but ownership wants you to give Jim Boylan a chance. They really want you to get to know Jim. But if you'd like to fire him, I guess you can fire him. Well, now after the pandemic, we have Jerry Reinsdorf giving an interview to USA Today That's saying that, bring that up. his losses are in the nine figures uh, in terms of, you know, millions lost to COVID during the pandemic. A lot of that comes from the White Sox. Reinsdorf said, you know, the Bulls played 75% of their season, so the losses aren't too bad for them, but they're devastating for the White Sox. Well, guess what, man? The White Sox have had a very small payroll for the last few seasons. They literally haven't made the playoffs in 10 fucking years. Then you have the Bulls who rank their cash hand over fist, who are literally maxing out their allotted cash considerations every season, and they're not reinvesting that money back into you know, trying to get draft picks or other assets in exchange for these trades. They're literally just taking cash. Now you have Boylan, who is the lowest paid head, lowest paid head coach in the league. Reinsdorf saying, well, the losses aren't that bad for the Bulls, but they're still using the losses as a crutch to not fire Boylan, who is fucking terrible. So we're going to have to put a parental advisory on this, uh, <laughs> on this episode because I'm just getting fired up. But uh, this is honestly such a slap in the face. It's so insane that Boylan's still the coach. Yeah. And let me let me let me let me get in here. Just like the, the slap in the face part. Like when I tweeted this 
whatever, like the screenshot of like the the part I just read, like obviously just got like a ton of ton of replies, ton of quote tweets, and just like the general, just from the fans, like like a ton of people are just like if they keep if the Bulls keep boiling, like I'm done with this team, like and like squander. Darnell wrote like that it'd be squandering like the goodwill that they built up by with this new front office stuff. Just like the the obviously the backlash would be huge, like if they. Like they obviously the Bulls lost a lot of fans, or they're not their attendance was way down this season, and I feel like it would only get worse. Like they would have to win. Obviously, if they somehow started winning games next season, then fans would probably come back. But like to start the season at least, like so many fans just from the re- I know it's only Twitter, and like that's obviously a small subset of like the whole fan base. But I mean, they're the entire like it's got to be like ninety some percent of the fan base they want boiling out here. They they want him gone. Just like I mean, judging from just the replies to the tweet I had, like some fans just wouldn't care. They'd be done with the Bulls, at least for a little bit, until they start winning again. So it's, like you said, a slap in the face is a great way to put it. And, you know, just think about the way the Bulls parted with Thibodeau, where Jerry Reinsdorf had an absolutely scathing press release when Thibodeau did nothing but put in a ton of work. I'm sure Thibodeau was also, you know, one of the lowest paid head coaches uh, before they renegotiated his contract, gave him an extension. But they shit on Thibodeau on the way out, and they fired him. You know, some could say prematurely. I thought it was the right time for Thibodeau to go at the time, but there's no doubt that Thibodeau was an unbelievable coach for the organization, and they basically totally kicked shit on him on the way out. Now you have Boylan, who they refuse to fire and who they just come up with excuse after excuse after excuse for. It is so insane, and... Uh, it's just all the Reinsdorf's, man. It's like we got excited because we thought, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a new era for the Bulls. It's gonna be Karnashovis and Eversley. But you know what, man? In in the what has it been three, four months since those guys have been hired? It's been nothing but business as usual for the Bulls. They didn't hire as many people within the organization as they suggested they were gonna do. They're already crying about losses for the pandemic. There's you know making excuses for the poor season saying that Boylan had to do media relations work. (laughs) It's just all a joke. And it's the, you know, it's classic bulls. It's business as usual. We thought things might be changing with Gar getting fired and with Paxson, you know, out of the leadership role apparently, but nah, it's not happening. This is the same BS as always. So before we move on here, let's specifically answer the, the questions that were asked real quick just about Boylan. It was basically just like, how worried actually are you that he's actually going to stay? And like, do you think legitimately that, I mean, I guess we did kind of answer this one about like, do you think Karnaschovas is being hamstrung to keep him right now? Yes and yes. I think there's absolutely a chance that Boylan could coach another game for the Bulls. Uh, I think that, you know, Karnaschovas might say, well, we just wanted to evaluate Jim and we couldn't evaluate him within the pandemic. What that really means is that he didn't have the green light to fire him because A, the Reinsdorfs love him, B, the Reinsdorfs are too cheap to pay multiple head coaches, and C, if Karnaschovas like, was to replace Boylan, I don't believe that he would have the budget to go out and like get the head coach that he actually wants. So if you want to make like an argument for keeping Boylan to this point, let's just say hypothetically, the Bulls really want Brett Brown or Mike D'Antoni to be their head coach. And for whatever reason, they just don't want to be without a head coach for, you know, uh, however long it takes for the Rockets and the Sixers to end their season. I still don't even think that excuse holds water because one, just fire Boylan. You don't need him. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, still communicating with players and like confusing people about the leadership of the team. And then two, 
Like, I really don't believe that the Bulls would pony up for D'Antoni or Brett Brown, a proven NBA head coach like that, uh, given that Ryan Sorf's already complaining about the financial losses due to the pandemic. So I think that there's absolutely a chance that Boylan could be brought back. I think that whatever excuse Karnaschovas gives you, if that happens, is straight garbage because I do not believe it has anything to do with needing to evaluate Jim Boylan. If you paid even 5% attention to the Bulls over the last two seasons, here's the evaluation on Boylan. You know it. It's pretty easy. He fucking sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and even if we're looking at like Ima Udoka or Adrian Griffin, both on playoff teams as well, like same thing, like who cares if they're whatever, they're still coaching. There's just, I mean, I feel like that happens all the time. You, if you do a zoom interview call with them, like while they're in Disney, like who fucking cares? Like if they still have their jobs, like whatever, like they're they're. But I'm curious, even in that, like how much would they be willing, how much would the Bulls be willing to pay one of those top assistant guys? Like, I have no idea when you have Jerry Ryan sort of complaining about this. I personally still do think Boylan will get fired. Uh, I, but I definitely am a little more concerned now about it. I definitely don't think it's as sure of a thing as, Maybe we thought it was a few months ago or whatever. I mean, there's just like too much speculation, too many like tea leaves out there that suggest that it's not totally a done deal, even if I think that it ultimately is. But I, I, I just want it to be done because I'm like, I'm just like sick of just like, complaining about it. Like I'm sure people are sick of listening to us like complain about why Jim Bowen's still the coach, but it's just like. What else can it, – it's ridiculous that it's still – this is still a thing. Um, and it's awful for the player yeah. too who obviously right. had a ton of beef with Boylan. Like literally no one likes Boylan besides for the owner and his dumb son. And that's it. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely wild. Um, before we move on, answer some other fan questions here. Let's take a quick quick minute or two for words from our sponsors, Bet Online and Manscaped. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Get it on the action this week with the big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your favorite team to come back? We know it's going to be a while for the Bulls. Well, Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships, or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag, enter the promo code BLUEWIRE, and receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Support for Cash Considerations, a Chicago's podcast, is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know it can be tough sometimes when you're trying to groom down there. Like You have, you have accidents, not always the most comfortable, can be painful. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents Thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features of this is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke, that's trademarked by the way, technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mo- mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by U- a USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. I honestly used this thing this morning, and it was great. So trim that junk of yours. 
and get 20% off free shipping with the code CASH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our promo code CASH. Your balls will thank you. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, we put out a call for some just some Twitter questions from our fans out there. Uh, we're going to go through a bunch of these now. Again, we just talked a lot about Jim Boylan. We got a ton of questions about Jim Boylan. Let's get off the Bulls for just a little bit. Talk about the general NBA. We got a question from, um, who is this? At J Marwood 7 Talking about just the NBA, the restart, the bubble. That's obviously supposed to start in the next 10 days, July 30th. Uh, the the Players have been in the bubble for a while now. We've seen some funny and goofy stuff with the bubble and the snitch hotline and guys like Matisse Thibel, JaVale McGee doing their like bubble vlogs and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the basketball itself, the question was the teams outside of like the Lakers and Clippers uh, and then the, the Bucks with the best chance to win the title. Ricky, who would be, I guess you call them your dark horse title teams. So besides for the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. Yeah, so basically those are the favorites. Who besides yeah. them would you would be your teams to watch to make maybe make a deep run? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I still like the Celtics. I think that, you know, as long as they're at full strength, Jason Tatum was playing at a level where he was basically ascending to being one of the very best young players in the NBA, I think right behind Luka and maybe Zion as well. But then you have Jason Tatum. Looks like a flat-out future star. So uh, if Hayward is you know on the team and ready to go, then you got Jalen Brown, you got Marcus Smart still, very good head coach and Brad Stevens. So I think, as much as it pains me to say, the Celtics could be pretty good. Uh, I think I'm buying the Sixers, which is sort of crazy because the Sixers have been the most disappointing team in the NBA all season. They still enter the bubble at 39 and 26, 600 winning percentage. So the big thing going on with the Sixers right now is that apparently Shake Milton's going to start at point guard. Ben Simmons is going to play power forward. You're going to have Simmons in more of a screener role than a ball handler role. It sounds crazy to talk yourself into the Sixers after everything that happened this season, but uh, you know, there's so many teams that I think are just like automatically not going to be competing at that upper echelon. And I do think that if Philly plays to its ceiling, it has a chance to do that. So I'll throw Philly out there as a team I sort of like. And then in the West, I sort of love the Rockets. Uh, I was thinking the Rockets. Assuming Westbrook can get healthy, the fact that they're going to do this like super duper small ball routine with Covington and PJ Tucker in the front court in the bubble after so many teams or, you know, after everyone's had such a long layoff because of the pandemic, I think that that could be really difficult to defend in a pinch. And basically they're just turning the game on its head. They still have Harden who's absolutely in the prime of his career, top five player in the league, hall of fame talent, one of the best shooting guards ever. You have P.J. Tucker and Covington giving you a totally different look than any other team is going to give you in the front court with a different style of play. So I think Houston could be pretty dangerous. Uh, I think that, you know, Harden could very well be at his best in sort of a goofy situation like this bubble. And uh, Houston, Houston would be a team I wouldn't want to see if I'm one of the other contenders. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, stars in the playoffs. We know, like, I mean, obviously, the Rockets get made fun of because of quote-unquote choking the playoffs but I mean a lot of the times it's just been them running into the Warriors uh, and Harden is supposedly in great shape we got all this talk about uh, like these intense workouts he was doing uh, I mean he did look a lot skinnier at least I know he was a bit late coming into the bubble uh, but I mean he was looking pretty good and there was a controversy with mass that he wore but whatever that has nothing to do with the basketball uh, yeah I, I was thinking the Rockets as well just when you have two stars like that I know uh, they're obviously not traditional. They do kind of crazy stuff, but especially in this unique situation, like maybe that crazy ends up working. So like definitely do not 
want to count them out at all. You mentioned the Celtics. A big thing, I think, with the Celtics will be Kemba Walker's knee. Uh, they're obviously insisting that he's totally fine. They might just be precautious. If you remember going back to the All-Star break, we were there at All-Star weekend, and we heard uh, them talk about how Kemba was like supposedly on like a minutes restriction, but he played like huge minutes, and then he kind of dealt with knee problems throughout there. He's they're still they still have him on like some restrictions. They're doing like one like on practice one day, take the next day off, and all that. But if he's healthy, you mentioned Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Hayward. Hayward will be interesting to see because I believe his wife is pregnant, and he said he would leave the bubble. Like if that happens in the middle of a playoff series, that would not be ideal for them. They'll be interesting. I, I'm not so sure about the Sixers. Like, I mean, I the talent-wise, they're obviously great. The, the, they've had fit issues. They've had some injury problems with their stars. I mean, theoretically, like, if they do all come together, maybe Ben Simmons will start shooting threes. Maybe he'll be better as a power forward and shake him up and step up. Maybe. Yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> obviously. But, uh, I mean, the talent is there. Like, it just, it just really just has not worked fit-wise. I also don't want to discount the Raptors. Like, I, like without Kawhi, like he it doesn't seem like they should be like as good. But like, who thought that they would have been as like they? The Raptors might be a team like the like the Bulls from whatever 2010, 2011, where just a like, great regular season teams. They have the they have great coaching. They try their ass off. They're great at defense. But I'm not sure if they'll have enough in the playoff setting. But I mean, I, I don't want to count them out. Like Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, they got a bunch of good role players. Like. I don't know. What do, you, do you think the Raptors have a – what do you think would be their chance of repeating? Yeah, I wish I would have named the Raptors. I think the Raptors have a pretty high chance of repeating because Nurse is an absolutely amazing coach. I think Nick Nurse uh, very much in the conversation is the best coach in the NBA. I might even pick him for that title. Uh, Lowry Monster, he's gotten a lot of rest uh, during the pandemic, which you know you would think could be good for him, someone who's played a lot of games uh, over the last season and a half. So I think the Raptors, just because of like all the different styles they're going to give you, you know that they're super disciplined. Siakam really ascended into being a top 15 player this year. Lowry in a playoff setting is always uh, really solid, or at least after like his early career struggles, he's been very solid in the postseason, pretty reliable. So yeah, I think Toronto could do it too. Like I, Toronto and Boston would be an awesome series. And I don't really know who I would take in that one. Uh but I think, you know, both of those teams definitely have a chance to uh, knock off the Bucks if, you know, the Bucks lose any of their margin for error in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, and we know, I know Eric Bledsoe has tested positive for COVID. I think he'll be back soon. But I mean, obviously, there's so much stuff that can happen in this bubble and whatever. But yeah, I just looking at the rosters right now, like, obviously, you would probably put the Clippers and the Bucks and the Lakers as the favorites. I picked the Bucks. I think I picked Bucks Lakers finals before. Before uh, the season started, I don't know if I'd really change that much. I mean, you could probably talk me into the Clippers. I might become a Clippers fan just because Joe Kim Noah's on the Clippers now. Uh, and he, he might get some decent minutes because I'm pretty sure they – I mean, Montrez Harrell had to leave the bubble for a family emergency. Uh, I'm not sure if Zubox is actually there, but I hope I hope Joe gets some minutes. I'd love to see him uh, get some playing time, maybe go and go up against the Lakers if, the, if they do end up playing. So that would be a lot of fun. Um, let's move on. We'll come back to the Bulls here. We have a few questions about just like the team. We got a couple questions I'll kind of combine here. One is about the team's core it's from at Frodo TL. And it says, what if anything would the Bulls need to accomplish next year to convince you that this core of Lowry, Wendell, Levine, Kobe should be kept intact? And then also, I'll also bring in this other question that was about Zach Levine and just possible trades. So we'll answer the first one first, but then this other question about Levine would be is what would an acceptable trade of Levine look like and who would be potential buyers? 
So again, let's start with just the core in general. I guess for next season, looking at it, like what do you think they would have to do to like not just blow things up? I mean, they definitely have to win at a significant clip. I think at least what's significant? Yeah, uh, over five hundred, five hundred or over. You know, like significant improvement. Uh, We need to show that these young players can have an impact on winning. Like. Levine puts up great per game stats, but has shown no ability to impact winning at a high level. Carter and Markinen just haven't really like fit well. They haven't proven to be durable. So I think that, you know, the guys need to stay healthy and that they need to prove to have some impact on winning. And then they need to make some sort of like individual ascension. Like to this point, Markinen is an intriguing young talent, but he hasn't really done anything. He's basically put up the same numbers three years in a row, seemed to regress this season in his third year. Then you have Carter, who we both really like, but Carter I don't think has uh, you know, quite taken the next step like we were hoping he would in his second season. So let's see him doing that do that in his third season. But you know, another year of stagnation, and God, I hope it's not under Jim Boylan, but uh, another year of not really showing that they can impact winning. Uh, would mean that I think this young core needs to get broken up. And I already believe it needs to be broken up. And I think that uh, Karnaschovas and Eversley, I hope, will eventually do that as long as ownership lets them. Because at this point, who knows if they're meddling with uh, their ability to hire a new head coach. But uh, yeah, they, they just need to make significant improvement all around, I think, individually and as a team. Yeah, I would probably say maybe playoffs or busts. Like, I guess you could argue like if they just miss like maybe you can keep them together i mean but you can't just like sit on your ass for a while like this would be what after next season this would be what that'd be four years post jimmy butler trade right so like if you have four years of no playoffs or like barely making it in like i feel like you just that's really not the way to like like whatever like sustain success you have to do something different there uh and so so that second that second question this was from at bd the wackness about zach levine we've kind of talked about zach levine trades uh and like and i think we both think that it'd be difficult at least this off season to find something that makes sense. Just because like as good as like, as like, a, like I said, I think Levine's a really good player. I think we've talked about this. He's probably not a number one guy, but he's still a good player, but you just wonder like what his value is around the league and like compared to what he means, the bulls, can you match that value into a trade that makes sense? And I like, I, I just don't know if I could really see that. Like, so if you're like looking at potential like buyers, like I was, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I feel like I've thought about the Sixers for a while. Like if the Sixers like, like if they bow out early, they don't make a deep run. Like, well, they look to trade Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like, obviously, if you're trading Zach Levine for one of those guys, you're you're including other stuff. But like, the Sixers could use a, another shooter score guy. Like, if they if they get sick of Ben Simmons not shooting out or something like, or they just want to blow things up as there as well. Like other teams, like I've thought about like maybe the Orlando Magic. Like the the Magic we know have all those like big guys. Like, do they move, maybe do like a but like the Bulls like wouldn't want Aaron. Like I was thinking like Aaron Gordon, but like the Bulls don't want Aaron. They have unless the Bulls also want to go out and trade like Carter and Markin. Like Aaron Gordon's been kind of like an underachiever. But like, are you doing that for like Zach Levine? Like Levine's better. I feel like it's just it's just like really hard to find a trade that like makes sense. Like especially this offseason with like so much uncertainty. Like like I just don't know how many teams will be looking to like make big big moves like that. Do you, are there any other teams? Are you do you think would make sense for Levine? Uh, I've always said Philly. I think Denver was a team that was rumored to have interest in him at the trade deadline. They, that's they right, flame yeah. out. They're a team with, uh, you know, pretty high postseason expectations. If they flame out, I think it's possible that 
they could go after Levine maybe, but I don't anticipate the Bulls are going to trade Levine. And, you know, when you said that it's going to be hard to get fair value back for Levine, I think what that means is that you're not going to get someone who's going to put up the same scoring numbers, right? Like there's only so many guys in the league who are going to average 25 a game. And the fact that Levine puts up those numbers but can't lead the Bulls any victories sort of shows that, you know, his value isn't as high as his numbers might suggest. So that's definitely going to be like the first thing everyone says whenever Levine does get traded or, you know, my money is on Levine just walking as a free agent. I think he only has two more seasons on his contract after this one. So I think that that's a possibility. Maybe they trade him, uh, you know, at the trade deadline of his last year, like they did with Lou Aldang. But you just have to accept the fact that you're not going to get a scorer on Zach's level when you trade him. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to make a good trade if you do deal him for maybe more of a defensive-oriented player or something. Uh, I think the Magic are interesting, too. I was I actually had that team name in the back of my head as well because that team's totally in flux. I mean, they still don't really know what they have at, with Fultz at point guard. Fournier, I believe, is a free agent this year? Yeah, I, th- I believe so. He, he might have a player option, maybe. Okay. But, like, I mean, he's fine. Like, I feel like the, the Magic, they, they have some very intriguing pieces with, like, Jonathan Isaac and Fultz. Like if, I mean, Fultz has shown strides, but like, I feel like they, they're missing that, like, big score. Like, Fournier is decent. Like Vucevic is decent. Like whatever they got, Bamba. They got again Aaron Gordon. I feel like they're just, they're just missing a, like a legitimate like stud score. So like that would make sense. And and I feel like they have the defense when you have Isaac and Bamba. Like that's or and Gordon. Like I feel like they have the defensive in, infrastructure there with, to like help cover Levine as like his defense. So like I feel like it would make sense. I just don't know like what would come back to the Bulls that would make yeah. sense for them. Like some draft picks. Like again, like I mean the Bulls are they going to take one of those young big men like Bamba or? Or Aaron Gordon, like the Bulls have Lowry and and like Carter. Like I don't know if I'd really like those guys, like those young guys in the Magic better than. I mean, they're not going to trade. I'm assuming they they wouldn't trade Isaac for Levine. I know Isaac's had like had some uh, uh, injury problems, but I, I mean, I think they think he has like defensive player of the year potential. So like, I doubt that he'd be on the table there. So I don't know. It, it, again, I think it, you, you made a good point about like the value wise. Like Levine was his numbers. Uh, if you do trade him for something for whatever, like a young player, some draft picks, like I feel like fans would not be happy. I feel like they wouldn't be happy, depending on the re- like with the return, because it would just it would look bad for like a twenty five point per game score, like you said. But it would be it just would be interesting, just because of the impact. The, the, the conversation around Levine is obviously he's pretty polarizing still. So yeah, I don't know. It'd be, I got one be, more. I, mean, I got one yeah. more out of left field. What about Dallas? Because they already have you know your playmaker point guard with Luca and your superstar, they're a team that's always really aggressive and trying to rebuild the roster. Uh, like no one saw the Porzingis move and they, you know, swoop in and get Porzingis. So Dallas is my sleeper team where I think Levine could be a good fit. We know they like a lot of shooting. We know they're always aggressive, aggressive in their roster rebuilding. So there's my sleeper Mavs. I guess an, I, another one I had written down was the Nets just because I know they're looking for a third star with, KD and Kyrie, but uh, again, like I don't know, like what they would trade. They would have, I mean, they have like, I mean, Joe Harris would be free agent. I mean, Karis, obviously, that's they'd be like they'd be hoping for an upgrade on Levert there, so it would probably be Levert and Levert plus stuff for Zach Levine. Like, sure, maybe I don't know. Levert has got, I feel like has gotten like a decent amount of hype, like more than maybe he deserves. Like, I know he's really talented, but he's also had injury problems and all that. And, I don't think he's like quite as good as maybe some people would like to think that he is, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious about the Nets just because I feel like they might be might be in desperation mode. Like I know Bradley Beal was talking about 
if like if Bradley Beal's mentioned in possible trade stuff, like you would probably throw Zach Levine right there as well. So like if Beal's not traded, like would they turn to Zach Levine as like uh, a backup for a possible? And if Beal can't get moved, maybe I, I guess I just don't know what I would think of for a trade coming. Like I said it'd probably be like Levert draft picks, something like that. Like I guess I wouldn't hate it, but like again, I I, I don't know. Um, moving on, let's do. Let's see what what was the next one I was gonna pull up here. Oh, you mentioned Luol Deng. We had a question. We had a question about Luol Deng. This is from um, at Shadow House. Should Luol Deng's number be retired alongside Derrick Rose? So this kind of brings in D Rose as well. Uh, first of all, I wanted to bring up Luol Deng. We did not address this yet. I don't believe uh, Luol Deng like a week or two ago uh, kind of came out and just shit all over Gar Foreman. Uh, and it was kind of great. I don't have the exact quotes in front of me. I meant to pull them up, but basically just talking about the trip when he got traded in 2014, just how he felt super betrayed by this front office because of like what they told him and how like contract negotiations played out. And we, and that was obviously a whole big thing about how the bulls kind of lowballed him and they gave him like a take it or leave it like final offer. Uh, and he said no. And they ended up trading him. Like obviously Tom Thibodeau was on lovely wall dang was on his side this whole time. Uh, and Dang is just kind of, he just kind of let loose talking about how he felt betrayed and how he really just hated how things ended with the Bulls. Um, in terms of retiring his number, I don't know. Like, Lou Dang was obviously a great Bull, big fan of his. I, I guess I didn't hate trading him at the time, uh, just because he was clearly kind of declining. What they ended up getting back was absolute dog shit. So obviously the trade turned horrible. It was basically just saving money. Uh, in ter- like I said, in terms of retiring his number, I don't know if he's that good. Like, I tend to think retiring a player's number should be for like the very best of the very best, like high level. Like I, you could probably argue about retiring Rose's number as well. I know a lot of Bulls fans would love re- to retire Rose's number. Uh, he was an MVP. Like I can at least get behind that a little more. Obviously Rose had, has had his issues uh, when he was not with the Bulls and, and all the injuries in that. But I mean, I could at least probably get behind his a little more than Dang, even though Dang was there a lot longer. Uh, what do you think? What did you make? What do you make of retiring either either of those guys' numbers and just of those comments that Dang made recently about Gar Foreman and the Bulls, how they handled his contract situation, his ultimate trade? Yeah, I'd probably say no to retiring Dang's number, even though I love Dang. Classic Hall of Very Good in terms of yeah, like right. uh, getting honored by the team. Uh, I vow never to talk about Derrick Rose in public again, but yeah, I think they <laughs> should retire Rose's number just because every time they try to give it away, the fans revolt. <laughs> I think the better argument is about Noah. Should Noah have his yeah. jersey retired? I would say yes on Noah uh, because he was really sort of like the heart and soul of that team and a great ambassador for the city. Obviously, as was Dang. Both of those things can be said of Luol Dang as well. So uh, I think that, you know, probably Noah has a better case than Dang. Uh, but I say no to Dang on in terms of jersey retired. Yeah, Noah was, I mean, he was a legit MVP candidate. Uh, maybe not legit. He was like an, a fringe MVP candidate that one year. He was like, I think fourth or fifth in the voting some, in 2013, 14, I think. I don't know. Either way, uh, I just, I love that question about Luol Deng just because it brought, it gave us a chance to also talk about him just shitting all over the Bulls front office, which is great. And just, he, obviously, Deng is a cla- classic, top notch character guy. To see him just kind of rip the Bulls. Uh, and just like how they handle this whole thing. I mean, I mean, just obviously it's just another of the laundry list of reasons why the Bulls had to move on from this front office and ridiculous that they didn't, that it took so long for that to happen. Um, let's move on to some draft stuff. So I, these questions are going to be obviously more for you since I am not the draft guru guy, but uh, let me pull up these few draft questions that we got from a few people uh, here. Interesting one here is this is from at Matt underscore Shams. 
Considering the current show is higher, is a new front office more or less invested in their first draft? Is this the time to gather an extra pick or two, maybe take a swing on a controversial pick, or play it safe with a consensus guy at their slot? Is scouting weaker slash stronger due to the change? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that could happen is teams might be more willing to sell their picks this year because of the pandemic. All these teams are losing money and because this is supposedly a weak draft. So I think a lot of the smart teams are going to want to trade down. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of takers looking to trade up in this draft realistically, but I do think that teams could potentially be looking to sell first round picks. And that's something that I obviously would endorse the Bulls jumping all over. I don't think that they're actually going to do that because I think the Ryan Stars are pretty frugal in terms of their ownership. Uh, So yeah, I would love to see the Bulls acquire another first round pick, take sort of a boomer bust type of prospect. uh, And, you know, there's several of them in this draft for sure. So uh, yeah, I'm on board with the Bulls acquiring another pick. I don't think that this is a particularly good draft in terms of like finding a star, but I do think uh, of course there's going to be a lot of like really solid role players buried throughout this class. In a similar vein, this is from at Greek Bulls fan. If the Bulls win the lottery and say the Timberwolves uh, get the fifth pick, would it make sense to swap pick with the Wolves if they also include their Nets pick, which I believe they probably got? Uh, that'd be what D'Angelo Russell, not D'Angelo Russell, but they have they have the Nets pick from something. Either way, would you I guess go from one to five and then they get an extra first and pick up sixteen? Net- okay, yeah, yeah. Uh... Maybe. I don't know. I'd kind of want to just take LaMelo and say, fuck it. Let's just take like (laughs) it's definitely a very risky number one pick for sure. Yeah. But I would be tempted to just take him. If you trade down to five, you have to assume LaMelo is going to be gone. Anthony Edwards is going to be gone. Uh, And then I actually don't feel comfortable saying that anyone else is for sure going to be gone. Maybe James Wiseman, who I wouldn't want anyway. So you're probably looking at someone like Tyrese Halliburton, maybe Killian Hayes, who I think is pretty good. Devin Vassell, hopefully, from Florida State. Uh, And then at 16, you know, maybe Tyrell Terry, maybe Kira Lewis, maybe Patrick Williams, who I like a lot, maybe even RJ Hampton or Tyrese Maxey. So, yeah, you know what? Now that I actually state the names, I probably would do that just to get more cracks at the more bites at the apple because I don't feel very confident that LaMelo is, you know, going to be a game-changing number one pick. So you might as well just, like, give your self more chances at you know getting lucky and someone develops above uh their scouting report so i guess yeah i'd do that yeah all right and guy you have not mentioned yet this is from our guy at vj vimu uh bloggable he was there at all star weekend with us what do you guys think about the fit of isaac okoro in chicago yeah, I like Okoro. He's very limited offensively, though. He can't really shoot. Even SEC defenses last year were playing way, way, way off him. And when they started play, like defending him that way, uh, his offensive production went way down. So he is someone who's able to get to the line. That's good. Uh, he's a really big, strong wing who I think defensively is going to be able to compete from day one. The question is, like, how high is his defensive upside? He is someone who, like, basically checks every box in terms of physical ability and just, like, being sharp mentally, knowing when to rotate uh, and just, like, you know, being able to read the floor defensively, even being able to protect the rim a little bit. He's shown flashes of verticality. So I think he's going to be a good defensive player. I don't see him being like an all-world defensive player only because his tools aren't that outrageous. It's not like he's Jonathan Isaac with like a 7-3 wingspan or whatever Isaac has or someone like Bamba. Uh, so to me, Okoro is going to be a very good defensive player. 
maybe not an all-world defensive player. And then offensively, he has a ways to go. He's a pretty decent passer and ball handler when he gets the opportunity to handle the rock. But his shooting's an absolute killer. I think that if you put him in like a small three and D roll, he's really going to struggle as a rookie or early in his career in general. You kind of got to be creative with how you use him offensively. So in terms of a Coro, I feel like I would talk myself into the pick, but uh, like you would really need to invest in a shooting coach and try to work on improving the holes in his game because he does have some very real holes. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on a Coro, but I could talk myself into it for sure. Interesting. Uh off the draft, another quick question here from VJ was just what does Kobe White need to work on defensively? I'll let you take this one, Jason. Um, I can't say that I like really have really studied Kobe White's defense. Uh, I feel like he at least his effort was there all season. Obviously, I think with any like young guard, just like awareness, uh, like fighting through picks, that kind of stuff. I, he's probably got to get stronger uh, and just kind of learning like pick and roll defense and all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, I, like I said, I can't, I don't want to say that I like have some deep knowledge of Kobe White's defense, but I think in general, like as a point guard, uh, fighting through picks, like pick and roll defense, getting stronger, and just, and just like bodying up and just general awareness. Like I think there's just a huge thing with young players, uh, and that kind of stuff. Like if you have anything else there, like I, I feel like I'm almost like an idiot answering this question because I don't have like a, a great response here, but I'd have to do a deeper dive on Kobe White's defense to actually give you like an actual like expert opinion on that. But from, just from what I saw, like I said, I feel like the effort was there. I just feel you have to learn like just technique, uh, just awareness uh, again, and just like getting getting stronger. I don't think he'll ever be like a big guy, but uh, if you can at least just like, get stronger and just and do and effort wise. I think he could at least be maybe passable at least. Like I don't think he'll ever be like Chris Dunn level defensively. Obviously, Chris Dunn was one of the best defensive players in the league this year. Any other? Yeah, I was just going to say he needs. Defense? I yeah. was just going to say he needs to get stronger. So I think that that's pretty evident. Uh, and yeah, besides for that, I thought Kobe's defensive instincts were a little bit better than he got credit for. And uh, yeah, getting way stronger, especially in the lower body, I think would help him quite a bit as his career goes on. All right, we got. Couple of quick ones here. Uh, I guess this is just general about the Bulls. This is from uh, at Andres Sven, looks like, or Sven Andres, something like that. Uh, will the Bulls win another ring in the next ten to fifteen years? What do you think? No. Next question. I would. I would also lean no. I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, ten to fifteen years is a long damn time. So much can change uh, in the NBA. Uh, I would still lean no. Like obviously, I just as the pe- the pessimistic Bulls fans that we are. <laughs> I feel like just like we just don't have not seen enough, even with this new front office. And Jer- so far, what we've seen from this new front office is that Jim Boylan is still the coach. So like we can't have that much faith in them yet. So Jerry told Michael not to sell the team after he passes because the Bulls are a cash cow. Michael Reinsdorf has proven himself to be nothing but incompetent in his short time as you know a <laughs> public facing owner for the Bulls. So uh, if Michael Reinsdorf is in charge, I'm saying no fucking chance can they win another title. <laughs> In the next 10 yeah, to 15 years. I, I think that's totally fair. Again, a lot can change. But right now, with what we have to work with right now, I would also say no. Last question, and this, uh, this is definitely directed towards you. Also, you can also use this to uh, hawk your, uh, your Western Illinois NBA two, or NCAA 2K thing. This is from uh, at Sir Brian G2. Ricky enjoyed a reasonable amount of Malort after his first Western Illinois championship, proving that he's a true Chicagoan. How do you describe those that do not know the Malort experience? I guess I can answer this as well, but you can answer this. First. Now I want you to take it. I'm giving this one to you. Okay, but I, I think Malort fucking sucks. It's absolutely atrocious. I've only had it a few times. I think the first time I had it was like a couple years ago. I was doing like a shot wheel 
with friends like a bar after like a football game or something. And I, I think I ended up getting it twice. Uh, and then I had it another time. I was at, a, at like a, on a patio next to, uh, by, by my apartment. I was wearing a, I have a Stephen Curry jersey. I, I'm a big fan of stuff. I'll gladly admit it. I was wearing a Stephen Curry jersey. Middle of summer, it was hot. So I'll, I'll defend myself wearing my jersey out there. I love wearing jerseys. I might sound kind of douchey, but whatever. I don't care. Uh, and this was right after, I believe, the Cavs. I think this was 2016, right after the Cavs had come back and beat the Warriors in that finals. Uh, so, like, some LeBron fans. So there was, like, a group of people, and there was, like, a LeBron fan in this group. They basically served me a shot of Malort. So those are, like, the few times I've had Malort. Again, I think it's absolutely terrible. The, the, like, when you first take it, it tastes bad. The aftertaste is even worse. I know this definitely is – it's like a Chicago thing. I know the, the Nisei Lounge over at Wrigley Field, they they have a ton of Malort there. I know it's a big thing there. and I feel like – I don't know if a lot of people – shower people actually like it or if it's just like kind of like a oh, – whatever. It's like a funny like Chicago thing. I, do you actually like Malort, Ricky, or no? Yeah, I like Malort. I, th- I, no I think it's terrible. Malort. Yeah, no, I think, I think Malort's perfectly fine. Uh, I don't really. Kn- what was the exact question of this again? How I, how would I it's, describe how would you describe it those that don't know? I, yeah. I think it tastes a little g- bit like grapefruit. I would say, uh, and yeah, you know, it's not great. But I think like after you get a couple beers in you, then take a shot of Malort, get a cold beer to wash it down. Uh, I think it's not so bad. So I've had a lot of Malort in my life. I actually haven't been drinking very much especially during the pandemic, maybe in the early days I was, but now I just feel like I'm either too bored or just like don't want to be hung over the next day. So uh, I don't want to glorify binge drinking, but Malort in general, you know, I don't really want to debate the merits of it, but uh, I kind of enjoy it myself. Yeah. I'm going to just agree to disagree with you there. I think it's absolutely terrible. Like I said, I think the aftertaste is worse than like the actual taste itself. I, I don't even really know how to describe it. It's just like, I think it's just like really bitter and just terrible. Like I don't, I don't want to say it's like the worst shot I've ever had, but it's definitely up there and it's it's not good. So we will clearly agree to disagree on this on this one. Um, I just I similar in that vein. Just tell us how your your Western Illinois Leatherneck story is going. Yeah, it's been good. We just finished year seventeen last night. That email went out. Uh, so we reached the elite eight last night. Uh, we. Basically, what I do is once we get in the NCAA tournament, I'll stream two games a night. And then if we win both of them, uh, you know, two days later, we'll continue the series. So we won our first two rounds in the tournament. We won our Sweet 16 game, and then we lost a heartbreaker to Alabama in the Elite Eight last year or last night. It's the second straight season we've lost in the Elite Eight. But the last three years, we've gone Elite Eight, Elite Eight, Sweet 16. So I think I'm building a program that can, uh, you know, annually compete for a title. Next year, we're going to be stacked because we only lost one player, one senior who graduated our starting two guard, a French two guard by the name of Kim Cohn, who had a great tournament run for us this year. He graduated, got taken as a first round pick. So uh, the series is still going really well. We had 500 concurrent viewers on the stream last night at one point. Uh, I think like 1500 people or just a little bit under that uh, watched at least part of the stream last night. So the newsletter is cool. Subscribe to it, rickyodonnell.substack.com. Uh, you get 40 years in the game as a head coach, and I want to keep it going. Uh, I don't know if I should be tweeting about it as incessantly because I'm sure people are getting annoyed by it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a fun project. The fan engagement has been awesome. I had someone email me today after I sent out the update that they did the math for totaling up 
all the point totals for tournament games for each individual player. So they gave me the leading scores in the NCAA tournament throughout program history. Uh, so that was really fun. Like people who have been engaging with the series have been really invested in it. And people have, you know, they, there's an Instagram account some kid made. There's, uh, you know, a book that some guy in Japan is making that I edited. It's a 300-page novel uh, loosely based on my newsletter. So it's been crazy. And that is absolutely amazing. It's been really fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more another time. But, yeah, you can uh, subscribe to the newsletter. I'm still doing it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's got to be just like super rewarding to like this goofy, this like thing, whatever. I'm going to play some NCAA 2K8 and just like start this thing with, and you, uh, and you got guys writing books and you got like guys looking up like deep dives into your stats. Like that's fucking dope, man. Yeah, it's been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. That's all for us uh, this week. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions to us. Uh, obviously, we have, we're looking for stuff to, to talk about. So this was absolutely perfect since. Uh, there's really been no update. Uh, obviously, no really update on Jim Boylan. There's been really no update on the second bubble. So obviously, for bowl stuff, like we're still looking for stuff to talk about and all that. Uh, I guess I will PSA. Uh, the Last Dance is now on Netflix. So if you uh, want to rewatch it, if you somehow haven't watched it yet, and you have Netflix, go to Netflix, binge watch The Last Dance. Obviously, it'll be a great. Uh, if you're looking for something to do, please do that. Uh, as for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to Blue Wire. Shout out to our sponsors, Bet Online and Manscaped. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. And always go check out all those other great podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. As we've mentioned these last few weeks, we've added some really big pods. We've added, we got Greg Olson, we got Ian Happ, uh, we got this Golden Goal soccer podcast, and we got a bunch of other great podcasts across the network. So please do check those out. Uh, we've been pumping out great content throughout this whole pandemic to try to help keep your just keep this all going. Talk about sports, even if sports really haven't been happening. Sports are about to come back. At least they're supposed to. We got baseball starting up. We got the NBA starting pretty soon. Uh, we'll see about the NFL. I know the NFL's had some had uh, the players are like revolting right now about all that, but we'll see. We're we're on the verge of sports, uh, big sports, supposedly returning here soon. We'll see how it all goes and. We will keep talking to you guys about what we obviously have more draft stuff to talk about. Uh, and we'll we'll keep you guys talking. Maybe the Bulls will actually fire Jim Boland sometime soon. We'll see. But uh, for us this week, Jason and Ricky, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.